Joe, I've got a question for you. Oh, hello, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> hello. It, it's almost the weekend. Welcome to the podcast. Um, okay, so it's almost the weekend canon. I, I okay. was I was I woke up this morning. I had nothing to do. I was just lying in bed thinking, why do the gamers have wet mouths? Like, why are they wet? Is this um. is this an overindulgence of Mountain Dew? Is this some kind of like physiological response to mm. super juicy games? Like, what what kind <laughs> of wet are we talking here? I think the uh, the reason it it's, it came to mind was um, it it really like when you think of a wet mouth for some reason it sounds like you know the way that a gamer would sound you know like mouth breathy very like, <laughs> like that's it, that's kind of <laughs> right okay so that makes a lot of sense so really you're just um, typecasting the yes. gaming community and I think it brings a really ple- pleasant and unpleasant. Um, like a, a real sweet and sour kind of visual image to mind when it happens, <laughs> when I say wet little gamer mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you keep adding describing words as well, like little this time, and I've just got this like image of like this blown up face with this really oh. tiny mouth, like it's not, everything is a caricature, it's not healthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was out last night with some mates and we were, we were doing like caricatures of like, um, you know, o- overly feminized women trying to like get a man's attention and being like, uh, you like my little mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it was very cooked. Oh, so, yeah, I think geez. that maybe that's where the little, little sprung in just there. Um, yeah. Okay. It's, it's on the brain. It's on the brain. I have mouth <laughs> on the brain and you've just reminded me. Okay. Well, I don't know if we're any better for that answer, but um, how have you been? <laughs> I want everyone to be worse as a result of knowing this knowledge. <laughs> uh, I've been good. I had a really social week. I had um, caught up with uh, a friend of the pod and um, best bud, Laura, uh, on Wednesday night. Oh, Went cool. Butterfly Club and just had a couple bevies and a big chat, as we always do. And then we had heaps of fried chicken afterwards it was fantastic man that's and a then, deal yeah and then we went to boiler make a house after and we shouldn't have like i was trying to find a place for a, like just a little nightcap just to send us on our way and i mm-hmm. we ended up ordering this cocktail that was like ice cream stout mixed with like it was very milky and oh, uh, god. It, it came with an ice cream cone oh god uh, that sounds so good yeah, I mean, it was delicious, but we were both just, like, full of chicken and unable to <laughs> have anything. Like, we should have just got, like, a little sippo of, you know, um, mezcal or something. I don't know, whatever, like, just something, something light. <laughs> um, anyway, and and then I also ordered, like, a juicy, like, frothy beer, and it was just too much, too much oh my God. stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, and then on Thursday, we had, like, a big celebration at work because... Um, well, we hadn't celebrated a few different things. A couple of birthdays had gone by. Someone had moved from Brisbane to Melbourne to be in the office with us. And oh, that's nice. Someone had, else had got a promotion. Um, and yeah, there's just heaps of stuff that we had to celebrate that we hadn't. And we normally celebrate every little thing. <laughs> so um, yeah, it had been a while. Cool. Oh, and, and getting funding and all that sort of stuff. All the, you know, getting publisher approval for the demo. All, that, all the good stuff that has happened that we just right. have sort of hadn't had a chance to do anything about. So we went out for 
lunch at this place called uh, Bombay B- Bombay Yacht Club. And oh yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, it's like an Indian restaurant uh, mm-hmm. in the city. Very very fancy. Cool. And um, yeah, it was great. But the service was real weird. You have, have you ever just had like you know a nice restaurant experience and it feels like everything's going to plan except your server is like she felt like someone's like angry auntie. Oh, bro, that's how you know the food is good, though. Like, <laughs> depending on the cuisine, like, there's this Vietnamese place I used to go to, and yeah. and they just treat you like shit, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm back in Hoi An. Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's almost like a, a, a touring chest for good food. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of like if you're, like, searching for good dal, like, the right. seedier the alley and the dirtier the kitchen, the tastier the dal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about a lot of establishments, but this one was kind of felt too fancy to have. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Right, right. I see what you're saying. I, I know, I know exactly what you mean, though. But yeah, the, there's like dumpling places in Melbourne that like actively are trying to get you out the door the moment that you come in, and then that feels very authentic to me. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then on Friday, I went out with buds uh, in the city. So that was last night. We went out and had um, went to. Bell's Chicken, and then we went to, bloody hell, um, Heartbreaker. <laughs> Bro, I need I need hour to hour of where you were and what you were doing. <laughs> I know. You can probably, if, if you really wanted to, you could, like, start seriously stalking me from listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I've been, I've been really good. The very fu- full social soul bubble feeling, so that's good. That's lovely. Yeah. Getting to see friends is real good. Um, yeah. and yeah, that's, that's been it. You've been, you been playing any video games? Yeah, man. Um, man, I played two really fucking good games this week. Okay. Um, I played, I finally got around to Celeste. Oh, and, nice. Oh man. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Like silky smooth gameplay, amazing level design. Um, the music was really great. Like they just... I, I, I don't know who did the music for that game, but they got it just right. Like yeah. these yeah. kind of like climbing synths and piano lines and, you know, because you, you get stuck on a strawberry and you just kind of need something that's pleasant to listen to, but doesn't get kind of grating. And yeah. it was, it was perfect for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. And like, yeah, just super intuitive. Like every time it introduced a, me- a new mechanic, there was no tutorial like you just yeah. you just did it and it made sense and it worked. I thought that was so impressive. Um yeah. you know, there's there's a fair few mechanics in that game like each each level does a different thing and it just felt really elegant to have no text being like Mega Man Mega Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, was good. And you know, the the story is like earnest, simple. Yeah, I like the story. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so just like Really great all round, but um, I was I was kind of sad when it ended. I think it took me about seven hours to to get as many strawberries as I could, and then I saw the end, and I was like, oh, that was so cute. But I could I could be running on those platforms for many mm. more hours. <laughs> yeah, have another course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I might I might go back in in a little bit and and try and hundred percent it, but Ooh. I don't really know what that entails so i'll we'll see yeah. we'll see yeah could um, be um 
could be a, a bit a bit of a, of a challenge. I've heard, isn't there like the sort of like Binding of Isaac, not Binding of Isaac, um, Meat Boy like challenge stages? That's like the equivalent for that game. I'm not sure. Um, I was I was hoping there was, but I didn't. I didn't find any. Like I I did when I finished the game. I had like a hundred and ten strawberries out of yeah. I think it was one hundred and seventy five. Yeah. Um, and I was like, whoa, there's way more, way more strawberries than I thought. So I think there maybe are some additional levels. Yeah, can... isn't the the cassette stages? Oh yeah. See, I don't know anything about that. Maybe I'll oh, have okay. to. I'll have to. I did find some cassettes, but um, yeah, I'll 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 see what the what the deal is and maybe jump back in. Yeah, yeah. I seem to remember the cassette stages being a thing uh, and being sort of like Meat Boys internet levels that were just completely bonkers. Oh yeah, they were so good. Um. Yeah, so Celeste was really good. And man, I played this other title, Before Your Eyes. Have you heard of this game? Uh, it rings a bell, but I don't think I... I can't, nothing comes to mind, you know? Oh my God. So uh, I really want to talk about this game a lot, but like for you and for anyone listening, like this is a must play. It was mm. one of the most profoundly immersive games I've, I've ever played. And like to give you just like no spoilers, just basic setup. Um, it's about a hundred minutes long and the way it works is you play on a computer or an iPad with a webcam and every time you blink, you jump forward in time. Oh my God. And it's, it's amazing. I thought, I thought it was just incredible. It was one of those, you know, they're so few and far between these experiences that come along and kind of show you what video games can be. And mm. like, it just made me so excited to be playing video games. Um, but yeah, highly, highly recommend just set aside like two hours, turn off your phone, get that shit, uh, you know, set up. And, you know, I, I found the, the, blink tracking technology to be perfect like it, wow. it never made a mistake it was super accurate the whole time um and yeah just just incredible big big recommend hell yeah yeah i'm looking at some pictures on the uh, steam page and i'm not going to watch any videos or anything but this looks lovely yeah yeah it's it's real good real good what want a bafta so you know it's good <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that's um, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. So pretty good games this week. Um, but I tell you what, I'm getting a bit peckish. Have you got Ooh. any of that Kentucky Fried for me? I do, I do. Um, I also I I played whatever I played from uh, Cult of the Lamb a little bit and um, oh yeah, and Hunt and uh, I'm still playing through um, Hollow Knight on the train. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Uh, I look forward to your 30-minute, it's almost the weekend review of Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with like a, um, a running analogy to like a painting or some classical <laughs> piece of media that like, you know, as you progress through the <laughs> review, it, it, it alters the perception of the initial thing. I love it. That oh, um, was great. I re-listened to that part again yesterday and I was like, this is great. We should do more of this. Really? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I was like... Maybe I'm just too critical, but I was like, oh, no, I talked for way too long. This has been the worst podcast we've done in ages. 
That's one. Uh, no, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, oh, more, cool. more of the reviews, I reckon. Just little solo sections are real fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. Three piece feed. Step yeah, on yeah. in to my kitchen while I hand you out some pieces of news while I open my notepad and vamp for a while. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> first piece of news. I don't know if you saw this, but um, I feel like... Who's that TV host who's always like, I don't know if you saw this in the news. Uh, uh, I don't know. Whatever. I, I have no idea. Um, I'm making terrible references. Mark Zuckerberg posted a, a selfie from the metaverse. And um, wait, hold on. So just the metaverse is like the crypto ether. Yes. Right? So it's 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 in development. Like they're working on it at Meta, and they're sort of you know in the process of of you know getting it going. Anyway, I thought um like he's done some sort of promotional videos showing off what it's capable of, and yeah, you know, talking about how NFTs will be integrated and all that bullshit, but. The other day, he posted a selfie to Facebook, um, and uh, I'll just send you the picture in the chat so you can see what it looks like. Being okay. like, here here I am, we're launching Horizon Worlds in France. I don't know what that means, but we're launching this thing, and it's got a picture of some stuff, him, you know, posing. It's just horrifying. Holy shit. All right. So, if you're driving right now, um, it's- Pull over. It, <laughs> yeah, pull over and look up this fucked picture. Um, but just in case you can't, it's like a really poorly rendered version of like a white guy, like a white avatar that barely looks like Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> taking a selfie in front of the Eiffel Tower and that church that burnt down a couple of years ago and they rebuilt that I can't remember the name of. Mm. Um and it's and that's it. That's all there is in frame. And there's hills in the background, and the colors. Are they are... hills? They sort of oh. look like spheres scaled up and mashed together. You're that's that's correct. They're actually scoops of ice cream. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck? So like, I don't understand. So, so is this yeah. like Second Life? Is that? I, I think so. But here's right. the thing: is, is this is the lot one of the largest companies in the entire world spending literal billions of dollars on this thing, you know, <laughs> on this product that you can play in VR and, you know, experience a, a, a life that's better that, you know, that will make you want to not live your own life, basically. That's kind of the pitch, right? If, if, if we can make life more enjoyable inside the metaverse, then why would you ever want to go out? Right. Um, uh -huh. That's uh -huh. that's the horrid, horrid future they have for all of us where we never, never touch grass again. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, yeah, they've spent like billions of dollars on this thing, untold billions, perhaps more. Um, the trills and wow. this is what it looks like you know like shadowless terrible asset flip looking stuff you know they made one of the most beautiful architectural wonders of the world look like it was made out of stacks of poop um, <laughs> there's not a shadow to be seen no no directional lighting not even a fog like no fog there's nothing there's nothing here and it's just like, this is the, the head of the company posting a selfie in his multi-billion dollar world that looks like it was made by a four-year-old in, in MS Paint. You know, like it's, it's like staggering that he thinks this is like worth posting. 
Oh, it's, yeah, it's awful. And you know what? They probably just looked at Game Freak making Pokemon Arceus, Arceus, whatever it's called. And they were Arceus. Like, oh, Arceus. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and they were just like, yeah, look, like, this is acceptable. This sold millions of copies. Like, why, why try to do anything better? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's horrid. I don't, it's just been doing the rounds just like over all of the, the social medias being like, what's happening at meta right now? Like what, oh, what God, this is so bizarre. And so I think, you know, the next thing that we see out of the company is going to be some, you know, beautifully rendered fake, not in VR thing. That's like, Oh, look at this. Looks much better now. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. man. Yeah. That's, that's very troubling. Yes. Yes. Um, next piece of news is Wave Race came out on the Switch um, for, you know, how they have like their meta, not their meta, their, their console, virtual consoles. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, Wave Race is an old 64 game that a lot of a lot of folks used to love playing and it looks looks pretty cool. If I, if I get back into Switch Online, I'll crack it open. Oh, shit. I mean, yeah, Switch Online is like such a good service, especially if you've just bought a Switch and you only have one game like mm. i love the idea that you can pay five bucks for a month's access of like a library of a lot of weird games but like a yeah. couple of solid games i really i really kind of like that um change in buying a video game console you know like back in the day you'd you'd buy like a ps2 or a ps1 and you'd get a demo disc and and that's that might be all you have for ages and yeah. like each demo goes for like 15 30 minutes or it's got a timer on it or you can only access one level and like now it's just so much easier and i kind of i, I really appreciate that you can access all that stuff for relatively cheap yeah yeah totally the the whole like one month for five bucks and you get the whole library thing is great like if yeah. you just want to try something if you're not sure you're going to keep going it's, it's great yeah um, and even then, like, how, how much is the full year? Is it like eighty bucks or sixty bucks? Oh no, for for Nintendo, it's like thirty. Oh wow, okay, it's really cheap. I might have to look at that. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, the the games are like thirty years old, but still, oh, it's, yeah. it's like it's pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, there's been every now and then there's like a, a little bit of news about the new, you know, Nintendo 64 or Super Nintendo game that com comes out for that service. And it's just like they're, they're getting stacked with some good ones now. So totally, totally. Um, this is sort of video game adjacent, I suppose. Um, mm -hmm. But but do you know, well, I, you do know, but we, we made the um, image for this podcast using an AI tool called Midjourney. Yeah. There's been a lot of discussion recently because uh, there's been some really quite advanced AI art um, progress where, you know, programmers have been making these AI, AI tools to create really stunning looking visual art. Mm -hmm. um, and it's starting to become a little bit of an issue amongst artists because um, a lot of the times you can tell the AI to do something in a specific artist's style. And mm, the artist, mm -hmm. the artist may not like it's the, the AI is trained on images of that artist and the artist may not have, you know, given express permission for the service to be using their art in such a way that, you know, may be detrimental to their worth and, you know, whether or not they're able to earn any money from now on because people can just generate their style of art using an AI now. No shit. That so, is an interesting conundrum. 
yeah, uh, maybe a full topic we, we could dive into at a later date. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of folks on on my Twitter who are artists saying this is you know they really should be um, policing or like having some way to enforce what you know libraries of images these AIs are trained on. And if you're an artist, you should be able to opt out of having your art used to train the AI. Um, yeah. It's, it's a little bit unethically dubious. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a big one. Um, and sort of adjacent to that, someone made a game um, using entirely assets from mid-journey. Like they, they just Photoshopped assets <laughs> out of mid-journey props and, and made a little side-scrolling shooter. Wow. Um, yeah. And it looks like garbage, but, you know, that's what you get, I guess. I mean, if if I were to make a video game, and because I know absolutely fuck all and I would have to learn how to code, it would be some really basic card game. But, mm. like, if I could generate the art, like, <laughs> that, you know, that would solve a large problem for me if I was making a game solo. Yeah, I suppose so, right? Like, that's a really interesting part of it is, like, there's people who can now make art for their games that couldn't before. Right, yeah. Um, the part is when you start selling the game you, that has this art in it that maybe is just, you know, a little bit a little bit weird. You're not supposed to be able to resell these images. That's part of the whole thing, but people will and probably are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so anyway... Um, and if you do make a card game, I heavily uh, implore you to do your own art because your art is fantastic, and that would be an amazing <laughs> addition to the card. Game. Oh, bro, I don't know about that. In it would it would sell purely on the merit of the art. I'm telling you now. Oh my god! In um, in Slay the Spire, when you um, beat the game for the first time with a character, you unlock the beta art for that character's cards. Oh no! And, and some of the beta art is fucking fantastic. It's like really good it's way more literal you know like just talking about it now there's a card called double tap that springs to memory and i can't remember what the finished art is but the beta art is just like two taps in a basin turned on <laughs> oh my <laughs> god like, that's fantastic yeah i thought that game already had beta art all through it so there you oh, go oh bro <laughs> i mean yeah, no, the the beta art is is truly something special. It's okay. it's Darian approved. Okay, hell yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, so I got a bag chip here for you. Oh, great. Um, there's a new Saints Row video game coming out like tomorrow or something very soon. Okay, all right. And no one like I don't know what has happened over at the publishing company that looks after the marketing for Saints Row, but it feels like it's just had no marketing at all like I, I had no idea that they were even making a new Saints Row game I mean yeah who, like what are they even up to They've I don't just, know yeah Saints Row 6 or 7 or something yeah and so maybe this like uh, I thought this sort of looped in a little bit to our last week's episode about the hype beast and how it's just like su such a missed opportunity for marketing like I feel like Saints Row has has real good marketing potential, especially in today's like meme culture. Like, there's so much stuff yeah. floating around that you could really mess with, but it's totally. just absent. Yeah, yeah, and and I've got some addendums to to last week's episode actually. Yeah. Um, one one thing we neglected to mention as like a big benefit to buying games on release is like the online community. 
So like mm. it's it's I don't really play online games that much, so it just didn't spring to mind. But after we finished recording, I was like, oh man, like the you know like the new Call of Duty or the new Battlefield, like it's so important to your experience as a player to kind of buy that on release so that like there's heaps of lobbies and it's easy to find matches and that kind of thing yeah um, i i reckon that is is a pretty um convincing reason to buy on release um because yeah like like we talk about a lot you can buy titanfall 2 for like five bucks right now but finding a match might be really hard to to do Totally. Yeah. There's, I mean, that, that is so, so true, but also untrue in other instances, you know, like Overwatch is a game that came out many, many years ago now, but you can still find lobbies for Overwatch, obviously, like it's still being supported. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, I, I'd love to look at like, um, concurrent players for popular multiplayer games to see like when the peaks are, because yeah. You know, now that we're talking about this, maybe the peaks aren't when the game first comes out. Maybe it's like mm -hmm. after, you know, the characters are polished and, and there's a few new maps they've chucked in for free and it's actually like a couple of years later. If, you know, the game has that kind of level of quality that keeps people engaged. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's like a, there's um there's also like the, the sleeper hits, you know, like... um. Among Us, which had been out for a while, had been sort of, you know, doing all right, but not good. And then all of a sudden something happens. And suddenly it's huge. Um, yeah. And other games like that. And, and and also just like, yeah, just your standard example of games that come out, have a few months worth of online activity and then die out. Or, or games like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, where like it's kind of harder to play cooperative in some, in some of those games these days if you're looking for like randos to play with because it's just not that many people playing them anymore. Yeah, well, you know, just in case people don't know, but every every FromSoft game has a community event that happens once a year on the date the game was originally released and all the all the players that can jump in and and play for a couple of weeks. So mm. like for Dark Souls 1 it's called Return to Lordran and Dark Souls 3 it's Return to Wait, Drink Lake? No, that's the second one. Anyway, you get the point. Yeah. Um, and they do it for Bloodborne as well. Um, but I just, I love that, you know, if you jump in randomly, like you say, there just might not be that many players to help you with bosses. And then there's like all the level scaling matchup bullcrap. Yeah. But yep. like, if you can time it so that you play when the community is doing a return to blah, 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 then it's just, it's like day one again. There's just thousands and thousands of players online yep you love to see it that's like a huge um testament to the quality of the community from those games that is a really good totally. really thing to see totally um, like imagine if like titanfall had a thing where like you know once a year that everyone got the game because it's like less than the price of a coffee and like to experience <laughs> online properly again like oh be sick That'd be so good. That'd Take be so me good. home. <laughs> road. Oh yeah, I'd I'd love that. Maybe maybe in a couple of years when the it's almost the weekend fan base is fucking massive. We can, <laughs> we, can, we start it up. We start it up. We yeah. we become the change we want to see in the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's an incredible incredible thought. Speaking <laughs> of change, you want to see in the world. Um, oh shit. 
<laughs> oh my god it was a terrible segue uh, i really shouldn't have even done it uh, but alice got her figurine the atreus figurine that i posted oh like a week great. or so ago now she posted it on twitter and i was like hell yeah gave us a little shout out hell yeah um so yeah that's great i'm, I'm glad you got it and it, it got to your house yeah you never know these days with international i never know i don't ship anything international but it's it feels so just like you put, put this text on a bit of paper and slap it on a box and off it goes you know it's probably more complicated than that but yeah dude i i honestly have no idea how it works i've been reading like a, a lot of books based in the 19th century and like they're sending letters to you know international countries and the letters take six months to arrive and they always yeah. arrive and i'm just like how how yeah. does a letter get to the person when all you've put is like the country the city and the person's name and mm. it gets there and doesn't get lost over the six months like what kind of sorcery is this yeah and what is it doing in that six months you know is it sitting in the bottom of some bag on a ship somewhere just floating in the ocean like What's the, the the life of this letter? I want to know. I don't know. Look forward to that future episode where we talk about mailing things over the centuries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. If you are a letter from the 16th century <laughs> and you want to let us know, please send us an email at uh, it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, Mr. Yeah. Letter. Yeah. Just let us know. <laughs> um. But that's great to hear from Alice. And Alice, I'm sorry, but I kind of remember you as the crypto girl because no. of the topic <laughs> you sent in. So I'm um, sorry, but that's the way it is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so shall we dive into this week's topic? Uh, yeah. So so this week's topic is supplied by Burke, um, oh. who, who entered our comp uh, a, couple of, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, and he wanted us to talk about uh, incomplete AAA games, or um, as he put it, games that ship with unfinished stories. Okay. Um, yeah. So this this one it has a bit of like cross pollination with previous topics we've talked about because we we did back in episode eight talk about DLC as a standalone mm. topic, um, mm -hmm. and we also. I think in in the top in, in the episode after that episode nine we talked about um, the dichotomy between like uh, indie double A and triple A games. Oh um, yeah yeah yeah. So so this one does kind of fall into those um, topics a little bit, but um, one one of the questions he had in the email was why do publishers or development studios think it's acceptable to ship games with incomplete stories? Um, yeah. and, and for me, my, my knee jerk reaction was because you'll keep buying them. Um, <laughs> and you yeah. know, this is like the Pokemon fallacy. It's, it's just a financial thing. And it's, I think it's the reason why so little change is seen across, uh, established series like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and, you know, mm. all, all, all those games, um, and, and, and it's wild because when those games play with the formula a little bit, it kind of stands out like, yep. um, you know, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, the pirate one is, yeah, is, is super sick and still, still, I think many people's favorite Assassin's Creed entry. 
and it mm. it's it, it almost feels like it's just because they did something different like they just took a chance um and like also like the the sailing mechanics were just fucking awesome in that game like it was really fun um yeah. but yeah I, I just think there's this intrinsic problem with with video games where um people just subscribe to a formula and they're happy to fork out whatever it is, 80 bucks every year or $110 if you buy Australian digitally. Um, And it's just like, why would a company do things differently when... If they're already winning. Exactly, exactly. Like, I think voting with with your wallet is really important and it's really difficult to do as a community, you know? Like, I can... I can sit here and be like, I'm not going to play games on release. Oh, I found out what that's called, by the way. You know how oh. we were talking about yes, last what's the name week? of it? It's yeah. called it's called Patient Gaming. Oh, um, that's great. I'm glad it has a name. Yeah, because I, I, I just Googled because I wasn't sure. And there's like a subreddit called Patient Gaming or Patient Gamers oh. or something. And it's got like half a million subscribers. Oh, there you go. And And, you know, they have like set guidelines that are way more stringent than anything I would ever do. But they the right. ba- the basic rule is, like, we don't allow discussions of games that have been released in the last 12 months. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, that like, that's not something I do. Like, I, I just play whatever I want to play. But, like, you know, the, the, the benefits <laughs> around waiting until the game is patched, it's optimized, all the DLC is out, it's much cheaper. Like that's that's totally that's the vibe. A, a thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. That's so cool. And it's so Reddit for them to be like no discussion, you know, like oh, not allowed. Get Red- out, sir. Oh, it's yeah, Reddit's such a wank. And like <laughs> I, do, I don't I don't know if that subreddit is any good, by the way. Like I'm not yeah, recommending yeah. it. I'm just saying no. that it exists. It exists, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a thing that people can go and check out if they were so inclined. Totally. Totally. Um yeah, I, I agree with all of that stuff. I think um I mean so I have a few I have a few points. do you have anything else before you wanna No no, no no hit me, hit me. Um so, uh, while you were talking just then, I was making some mental notes. I'm trying this thing where I make mental notes and try to remember them instead of just writing everything down, but uh-huh. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Great. So, um, the first part is is that game shipping incomplete is totally a part of this, you know, infinite growth capitalism issue where, mm-hmm. you know, year on year they expect to see growth and profits and year on year they expect things to be bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's especially troublesome with franchises, you know, like Call of Duty or FIFA or whatever, what have you, you know, like take XYZ property that expects to have a release every year or every you know, two years or whatever it is. Yeah. And the, prob- the problem is it, it, it's been okay, okay, quote unquote, for video games. It's very much not okay, but it's, you know, it's, it's at least the, they're still going in film. Um, yeah, well, it's 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 not that it's okay. It's that it just seems to be widely accepted by everyone. Yeah, you know? there's it, a lot of like, yeah, fuck, yeah, it's, there's issues there. You know, like <laughs> visual effects artists committing suicide and all that sort of stuff. It's it's really grim. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I, I I think for film, it's it's semi acceptable because there's way less moving pieces than there are in a video game. 
So like in a film, you know, you have like, there's still moving pieces, but there's less that can go catastrophically wrong. So it's like, you know, we have talent attached. People are going to go see the movie because they know the, the director, they know the actors. Cool, cool, cool. We kind of got like a set amount of people who are going to go and see this no matter what, like no matter what the visual effects or what the story is like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's similar for video games because, you know, they'll see like a publisher or a studio who they really like or property that they really like and then they'll go, they'll just buy in day one. Doesn't matter really what reviews are saying. So there's sort of like a parallel there. But the, the difference, I think, is in film, if the visual effects are a little bit bad, it's not the end of the world. But if a, a game ship's completely broken and, you know, missing features and story because there's just no way that they could have finished the thing mm. because of how, you know, most video games are miracles that they come out. Just, you know, having having worked in the industry for seven years, it's like, it's it's amazing that anything actually gets released. Mm. Um yeah. Whereas, you know, films have been doing, it's, it's a much older industry and they kind of have at, at least some, you know, way of really knowing how movies get made. Uh, I think it's still largely a miracle that a lot of them do as well, but it's less of a miracle that, you know, in the way that games, that games get released. And yeah. so, yeah. Well, I, I think, think that, that's a huge I, part of it. I, I, I agree. And I think the analogy works, but that when you like boil it down, it takes a lot more raw manpower to make a video game than it does to to make a movie and like Mm. it it totally depends on the movie like i'm sure if you're making the latest avengers film like it it, it, there's just so much digital work that so many people across so many studios need to do but like you know if you look at um we've we've talked about it before on the pod but that movie moonlight that won best picture in 2016 like that that was filmed in 30 days and obviously there's some post-production to be done after that um but you've you've got a film here and outside of like the marketing they did the the budget was a million dollars they filmed it in 30 days um they they you know did their post-production i'm not sure how long editing took and all that kind of stuff but you know they've they've basically got a complete package that within cinema is setting the bar and Mm. they were able to turn it around in six months for a million dollars and in video games that shit it just doesn't fly and it's incredibly (laughs) rare like you you it's just really you know you've got your freaks like concerned ape um, where, you know, it's just a one-person army and they write the music and they do the oh, coding yeah. and they release 40,000 free updates and it's just incredible that that thing even exists. But, yeah. like, that's that's the outlier. And even then, you know, that takes years and years and years for one person yeah. to, to get through that. And I think when you look at the average video game versus the average movie, there's just so many more hours that need to be worked on the video game to get it yeah. to that kind of, you know, s- standard of quality where we're not screenshotting pictures of Arceus or Arceus <laughs> and being like, you know, this is trash. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's... um, I-, I think there's also a part of it that's like stuff that is seen. So I think in video game, uh, maybe in movies too, they're both, it's, it's a really similar analogy, but like, yeah, there's the stuff that is unseen, you know, like video games that, uh, so many video games that get released by small, smaller teams that just have no marketing and just, you know, 
no way to put their game out there that are fantastic video games you know there's just mm. there's millions of them that are coming out all the time mm. um that we don't see and um so it's just like the, the one you know the things that we can point to as examples are like you know the big games and the ones that we that everyone knows about because that's that's just the way it kind of works <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so there's like that that part of it as well and i guess there's you know it's, it's analogous to film there's probably heaps of small movies that come out that have you know oh oh yeah i mean yeah. it like Mel melbourne international film festival is happening right now and yeah that i'm so happy they've got like a streaming service available so i've been able to oh, catch nice. a cu couple of things but like i mean honestly when it comes to music movies and video game like if you play and listen to something different every single day you're probably going to see less than one percent of what there is yeah yeah on, totally. on, on any given year and and yeah. it's just like you know what what rises to the top is the stuff that's critically acclaimed the stuff that you hear about from your mates and mm. like um what what i'm what i do with movies just because it's um, it's not a huge time sink to spend two hours watching something from like start, middle and end. Yeah. Um, but ev like maybe once a fortnight, I'll just watch a movie that I've never heard of at random yeah, right. just yeah. to, you know, just to dip my toes in. Yeah. Um, but like, that's, I, I don't know, that isn't something that I really want to do with video games. Just, totally. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if I go on the nintendo store i'm just like man i could pay for something <laughs> that's total trash and it goes for 60 hours <laughs> like yeah, it's just yeah. it's so different totally yeah 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 so that that's a huge part of it as well and then you know there's like um um like there's like uh with with larger video games being incomplete there's there's the whole like issue of it being a year-on-year -year thing that i mentioned a little bit earlier so it's mm -hmm. like you know there's pressure on teams to deliver i mean there is the same thing with film and whatever tv as well like tv's really bad at this mm -hmm. but just the schedule being so completely out of whack with reality means that yeah you do end up with a lot of missing parts mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. Almost every single video game that I've worked on has been like, okay, this is what it's going to be in, in the first two months. It's like, okay, cool. We got everything's locked down. This is, you know, how much time we've got. Seems achievable. And then by the end, it's like a quarter of what was there in that first month. You know, it's like, right. we, we couldn't do this because of XYZ technical restrictions. We couldn't do this because, you know, someone was sick for like four months of production. You know, we couldn't mm -hmm. do this because like, it was out, it ended up being outside of scope. We couldn't do this. You know, there's just like so many things that get cut along the way. Yeah, um, right. And so even in the best case scenario where you have a huge talented team of AAA developers, it's like this cycle of, you know, doing the same property and trying to push it further every year is just like, and then, and then stuff coming out and it's like, oh, there's, it's, it's feature incomplete or story incomplete or buggy mm -hmm. is just like, yeah, well, I mean, what did you expect? Like, <laughs> like we're trying right. to do, we're trying to shit this out. Like, <laughs> like it's like it's pop tarts. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, and and it, so, do you think that day one patches are a solution to this problem? Or no. right. So, is is this a situation where in reality things need to be delayed? Yeah, 
yeah, if you if you're having to deliver like a, a day one patch, those all of the programmers on that team aren't sleeping for forty eight hours in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of them is resting, and it's yeah. fine. You know, I I think I I sort of changed my opinion a little bit on crunch. I I think like you know for the most part, it's it's it comes down to the individual's choice. Like if if you really want to be the person who is working harder, well not working harder, who's working longer than other folks on the team. And if you're in an environment that that sort of thing is not, you know, used as a, as a weapon by the, by, by the employer to make everyone else feel bad, then that's right. fine. Like you should just be able to do a little, a few extra hours if you want. Yeah. I think that's key though. I think in the majority of cases, the environment is not designed totally. to, make, to make you feel accepted, whether you do more work or, you know, just the regular 38 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've worked in places where it's like both, you know, like you have, mm. Uh, people looking at you weird because you're leaving on time and i've had instances where like i'm more than happy to like sit back for a couple of hours and like help someone if they need help with something or like you know just like finish this one thing because like my mind's on it right now and i don't want to like lose focus for and get back to it tomorrow morning like yeah yeah see in in an ideal world where the environment feels safe and accepting for everyone i think i think you're on the money but just as things stand it seems like the norm is the opposite of that <laughs> totally and yeah. crunch, crunch is like i think really closely adjacent to this topic of triple a video games being incomplete mm. um so maybe maybe we can go into it a little bit more but um i i personally have never crunched to the point of being fully exhausted and i and i know that is a really common thing so i feel quite lucky mm. um we came i came close a couple of times so when in my first job i stayed back one time i think mm-hmm. which isn't crunch mm-hmm. um and then when i was in film there was like a, a week where like we were encouraged to stay back for extra hours yeah um and that was verging on crunch and um and that's kind of it that's all i've been exposed to but i know people who you know for months and months on end they will just like work 12 hours 14 hours you know just like yeah. sleep in the studio like it's just so toxic yeah uh, it's not it's not for any good reason either it's just like the schedule's fucked you know it's not like oh, i'm really passionate i'm trying to like push push my skill further like I'm, I'm growing as a result of doing this project there's no personal there's nothing personal to be gained it's just like mm. the studio is like overworking their staff to the point of exhaustion and it's just not good yeah and i think it's also hard to kind of see outside of your own bubble sometimes like mm. I, I i worked in a different industry but like i had project go live weekends where like i'd you know be at the office until 4 a.m on a saturday night and then like go home and sleep for two hours and be back at 7 a.m on sunday and yeah it's fucked and and it was just like what was the point of even sleeping and like was it safe to drive and and all that yeah (laughs) Yeah. and you know basic shit like that and you like i didn't question it because i was in the zone like you know i was doing 80 hour weeks i was just like life was like that for a little bit and it's really hard to get that perspective when you're already doing it um i think maybe maybe now that i'm older if that happened again i'd be able to kind of um be a bit more present but like yeah it, it happened like you know a couple of times over the years with project go live just because for one reason or another enough things weren't ready and the people you know the people at the top knew they weren't ready but they were like it's happening whether you're ready or not and ultimately that's bad management 
Yes. But I think it's quite common. Yeah, I, I think um, you're 100% right. There's um, It does come down to management in the end, basically all the time. It's like the people calling the shots are the ones responsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they have the ability to say no to who, to whomstever is asking them to put this thing out. Um, it's not good for their bottom line, obviously, but it's, it's worse for so many more people if they say yes repeatedly. And I think that's mm. one of the big issues with film is like, They've just got this yes disease where they're like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. And it's like, oh, we'll just hire. They call them, the, the term for it is hired wrists because they're oh, people who use mice all day and oh. send, you know, Wacom tablets. And they're just like, you know, wrists at a machine. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah, that's really gross. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the Orwellian future that we're yeah. trundling towards. It's, yeah, it's really gross. And I think it's made worse by um taking advantage of off-site or international staff members where mm, like that too. yeah where that that kind of you know what what did you say additional wrists or something like that uh a hired wrist hired wrist fucking hell yeah like it's just it it becomes so impersonal and it's that idea that you're living to work rather than working to live and yeah. I think, especially in our generation, like we look around and we're like, fuck that. Like, you know, we, we, we haven't been privileged enough to walk around being like, what's the meaning of life? We're like, man, yeah, is yeah. life worth living? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this really gets in deep into press X to pontificate about the state of capitalism. Um, yeah, but I, I fully agree. I, I think. So, and I, I'll also just quickly say, I will always be the person at the office to say, please go home. You've done enough today. Like to anyone, I don't mm. care who it is. I'll say it to my boss. Mm. Like I'm always the person <laughs> to be like, I'm going, you should go too. time to go home. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to encourage them at least once to say, you know, like you, you know, there's, there's enough done. You've done your task. You'll probably get, do better if you keep working tomorrow. And yeah. sometimes they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And sometimes it's like, no, no, I just want to finish this thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it comes down to personal choice a lot of the time, which is a bit, it's, it's challenging because a lot of the time some companies will pray, like I said before, they'll take advantage of that whole, like, you know, they want <clears throat> you wanting to do well, um, in order to move up or to be seen as someone who's reliable or, you know, whatever bullshit reason, mm. um, is, is being thrust upon you, uh, mm. to do more work than you were hired to do initially. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Just I gotta, just got to call it out when you see it, and that's kind of that's kind of the best. That's all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like ultimately, you, you said it before. It does boil down to making money. Like mm. that's where a lot of these problems lie. And like that original question around, you know, games shipping that aren't complete. Like and and how we fix this. I like it. It really does come down to like voting with your wallet like outside of being able to instigate change in the industry like joe can by asking his colleagues you know you gotta you gotta watch your health right now mm. um like support devs that consistently ship complete games on release um and you know be a patient gamer wait for reviews wait wait to see what the deal is rather than just jumping onto the hype train like I think, I think where you spend your money means a lot. 
And, and like I said, if we do this one person at a time, it's like a drop in the ocean. It's, it's mm. kind of imperceptible, but eventually one, one can hope that like, maybe we can't change the fact that FIFA just copy and paste the same game every year and make millions of dollars. But maybe we can change the the indie devs or the bigger devs that put a lot of effort into their game. Like maybe we can make them feel more rewarded for that effort. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit trickle up, you know. Like it's mm. um. There's a, and I think we're really starting to see a bit of that trickle up um stuff happening in recent times i think i talked about it last episode but you know cult of the lamb doing so well they just sold a million units yesterday um, oh dude. To a million, so congrats to them congrats to them that's great um and stray doing so well and you know games like artful escape doing reasonably well back in the day and like mm-hmm. you know other smaller you know not indie but you know um publisher funded small teams doing really really impressive work mm. and selling heaps and heaps of copies I think it's starting to like, you know, rattle some cages up, up in like AAA land where it's like, man, these people are doing something, you know, like mm. they're starting to pay attention to, to what's going on a little bit just because of how impressive and large a lot of the, um, the hype ends up becoming around these, these titles. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think that's due in, in large part to people being really tired with a lot of stuff that's being put out these days. They're bored of playing video games because it's, you know, it's the same stuff. Mm. And so when, when rando indie indies come along and they're like, play my weird game about, you know, you're, you're a cat or like you're, you're a lamb who has a cult, you know, it's like, what the fuck? Like, this is different. Like yeah. something something new here for me to do yeah and it gets people's attention and they're interested so like yeah it's really it's it's, it's i think it's going to swing around in the next couple of years where a lot more of the games look smaller and uh, cost less mm, yeah so i hope anyway that's that's my hope and it's like you know it's done more sustainably that's the goal as well yeah yeah and and i think something we've we've got to be aware of is that the industry is in its infancy like oh, yeah. video games have not been around for as long as most other mediums that do a similar thing, whether it's like tell a story or like provoke someone or, you know, any of that stuff. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I think the industry is still really young, but the, the kind of hope that I have for it is that because so many of the people in the industry are young, like they're going to bring, concepts that kind of throw those outdated like work until your back breaks or you know all that bullshit out the window and it is about yeah. like you know being accepted in the workplace and there's obviously a, a problem with auteurism um, oh yeah totally like that that seems to be pretty common as well and, and again like this is me being anecdotal it's just the stories i read so maybe i am reading the the one auteur that abused their staff over two years when for every auteur there's 10 video game studios that are just you know doing really well great to work out but aren't making headlines yeah 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 it's it's um i'm sure that is the case as well there's probably a little bit of column a and column b like Mm. at at my studio with with johnny we were always joking about (laughs) him being the auteur he we say he sits in his auteur chair and looks out the window (laughs) (laughs) He jokes about it. It's it's very like tug in cheek. Uh, 
very great. very chill um that's great so yeah it's a good time uh well uh that was another I'm, thing but do you, ha- do you have any closing <laughs> thoughts before i uh springboard us into the next segment Oh, we got another segment. Um, so it's just I'm just going to go down the line with the questions here that uh, Burke has got. Okay. Because um, I think we've we've talked about around them a lot, but I just want to like maybe put a, put a dot point on some of them if I can. Yeah, great. Or a full stop on some of them. Um, so why do publishers and development studios think it's acceptable to ship games with incomplete stories? I, I think they don't. I think it's just the way that it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the nature of the beast. Uh, what aspect of game development is responsible for games being rushed and released too early? There's a few things I would say, I would say namely it's um, bad management decisions mm-hmm. um, around like spe- specifically like release date stuff and being feeling like there's some, they owe something to someone that they've signed something saying that it's going to be out on a specific date. Mm, um, yeah. So that, that ends up being a reason for rush. Uh, there's also, uh, I think gamers have a big part to play in this as well blaming studios for delaying video games is really toxic there's been you know death threats and all that sort of bullshit that's been happening in recent times that yeah that is really troublesome yeah um is there a better way to manage public expectations of scope creep yes don't market your games badly uh don't overhype things don't be peter molyneux (laughs) yeah don't did you watch that video Uh, i i watched the um the initial video where the the woman is speaking to the connect boy um but i i couldn't get through the ted talk man like it was so weird how in both videos, he framed everything. So just to catch everyone up, Ted Molyneux is the auteur behind yeah. Fable. That's him. That's that's what he did. And and he would always bullshit and, you know, uh, tell people about features that would never end up in the game. But the way he would present the information, like he, al- he always had to put other mediums or genres down like he he opened up this video about the fucking microsoft connect and he was like sci-fi writers haven't been able to figure this out when telling stories and it's just like dude like literally read a book yeah like literally (laughs) every sci-fi book i've read has had a better story than any of your games by a fucking large margin like (laughs) it's it's insane to go after literature like that like oh my god yeah anyway i yeah so i i didn't watch the ted talks one but i it was just too much much. for me yeah (laughs) It was just more lying, you know. It's like here is this person who's not an actor. This hasn't been rehearsed, and we're just going to go through this this like entirely organic, you know, video game segment. And looking back at it now, it's like, oh yeah, this this was pre-recorded. This is like a a, a long quick time event. You're just clicking through. You have everything scripted. Nothing is unique. Oh. Everything is scripted. It's like and, and it's just so smoke and mirrors. And it's the the way that he was like, this is ready today. Was like <laughs> mind blowing to me. Like just saying that it's ready to go, you know. Like, oh, we just got to put the bells and whistles on it, motherfucker. Leave me, get out of my house. <laughs> oh Jesus! Ready today. Um. Yeah. So the last couple of things here. How can we fix these issues? I think we talked about that a little bit. I th- think yeah, it comes down to like calling it out when you see it, not voting with your wallet. Is Darian's main point? I agree, big time with that. Um. Are day one patches a practical solution? Uh. No. Uh. I think they're they're a they're a band aid. Um, and also not a good thing to expect. Right. And they're a band-aid for the people that can afford band-aids. Like if you don't have yeah. the internet, fuck you. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's what, that's what day one patches say. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's also saying fuck you to every coder on the team who has to like overwork themselves to make a day one patch happen. Totally. Um, and anyone else. So it's not just coders. I'm sure there's other folks involved. Um, are games with story DLC good enough to stand on their own? I'm not sure what that question means. Um, so I, I took to mean this question, um, like, uh, for me, there are some games where it's like, yes, uh, Evil Within, Bioshock Infinite, The Last of Us, they, oh. they shipped complete, the stories were great, and then the DLC was story DLC, and it was additional. It wasn't right. finishing ever, anything off. Whereas, like, yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition, for example, that story was incomplete, like oh. that story, if if you beat that game, you beat the game, and there's this big reveal at the end, and you're like, what? And right. and, and it takes three story DLCs to finish that story. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Did you have to pay for them? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What the fuck? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. That's uh, good enough to stand on their own. Is the the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, that's all I had to say at the end. There. I just want to point these questions or great into the, the discussion yeah <laughs> yeah good one great great answers good questions from burke if you want to be like yeah. burke and send us some questions or you'd like us to talk through a topic you can send an email to it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com just like the twilight priest did oh he says well boys it's taken about three weeks of driving to and from work, but I can finally say that I'm up to date with the podcast. Oh, hell yeah. So good to hear you guys really finding your stride. The hot takes, truth bombs, and chaotic energy only the two of you together could bring are really shaping you into the shock uh, jocks of the day that we all deserve. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, um, lovely. Uh, I actually wanted to write in this week to let Joe know that Based on his discussions regarding the game's development in a couple of previous episodes, I've started playing Cult of the Lamb. Oh, awesome. Cool. Uh, I want to preface this by saying, while I appreciate a good roguelike, it's certainly not to the same extent as you, Daz, and I often find myself playing for a couple of hours and not really being prepared to invest much more time than that. Mm. Uh, given that, I feel like I'm really appreciating all of the other little things that I can do in the game between runs. Uh, there's resource management, town and cultist management, and even little fishing and dice minigames. Yeah. What what impresses me most is that all of these aspects feel like a cohesive part of the game as a whole. None of it feels like it's just tacked on for the sake of it being there. At the end of the day, who doesn't want a game with ridiculously cute anthropomorphic character art and satanic overtones that can be played in bed at 2am after work? Or is that just awesome. me? Hell no, it's you and... Uh, One million others. Yeah. Um, so thank you for bringing a game to my attention that probably would have flown right under my radar if not for this podcast. Keep uh, up the good work, your friend, Twilight Priest. Thank you, Twilight Priest. Yeah. Yeah, that game has some really impressive um, interweavings. Like, everything is related to everything else. Um, yeah, like, you... The town that you manage is entirely based on, you know, the, the other friendly, uh, you know, cultists that you find along your runs in the dungeons. Uh, you find right. blue, blueprints for different aspects. You can just get like, you know, like a different type of path to make around your town. Just mm. find it on a run randomly or like a fountain or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the way it sort of pulls you along is really, I think, graceful. They're like, you know, they're, they're giving you a... a 
what is effectively a really long tutorial, but making it feel as though it's just the game and that you're just just playing it is really nicely done. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a lot of like little little things that sort of all stack up together in that game to make it pretty cool, in my opinion. That's awesome. I just I just love that we're kind of seeing a melding of of genres when it comes to roguelike, like with mm. um, you know, Cult of the Lamb. There's that genre of like the resource management cultist villager type stuff, as well as like your your traditional roguelike combat. And then like I really enjoyed with Into the Breach the mashing together of like roguelike and tactical, and yeah. it's it's just cool that like. I mean, in, in Twilight Priest's example, he's got, um, you know, a, a, a real draw to, like, resource management and not so much the gameplay, but because there's this balance, like, the game as a whole feels really great. And yep. that's just, I'm all about that, baby. Yeah, totally. I feel kind of the same. It's like the, the dungeon crawling is kind of, to me, the weakest part. It's not super interesting to me. There's you know, a few different enemy types, all of the rooms are kind of the same size, whatever. It's like, it's, you know, there's, there's things that I don't like about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's sort of, yeah, it's really nicely balanced out by like, Oh, I found this cool thing. I want to go like set it up in my town now and like, you know, talk to my villagers after like, yeah. And, and I'm also not like dreading going back in or like feeling like, Oh, I can't wait to get out of this dungeon. Like it's always just, you know, it's really short. Mm. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, we hope y'all have a really nice weekend, and uh, yeah. we'll see you next time. It's almost the weekend once more. Yeah, miss you, love you, bye. 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 bye.